I don't, I don't know why they didn't want me to be in that video, you know? Our kids have been active this summer. We've had young people at the CIYs to move the mixes. We've had a group in Northern Ireland. We had one make their way to Poland, and we have some more getting ready to go to Haiti in a few months. So it's been an um, active summer. They look like a pretty happy bunch. And I want to talk about that whole happiness thing today. When I was a little kid in children's church, we used to sing a song, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Had a wedding here yesterday, a beautiful wedding. Two of my friends said their I do's. And a wedding is one of the happiest times in our life, right? I wanted my friends to understand, though, that the easiest thing they were going to do yesterday was say, I do. The hardest thing they were going to do from yesterday forward is to make that I do, that promise, that commitment, that vow, that contract last a lifetime. You know, one out of two marriages aren't working. There are a lot of people in our culture who do not like going home. There is not a whole lot of happiness. There's not a whole lot of happy homes. There's not a whole lot of people who even enjoy their jobs. In America, 80% of the workforce do not like their job. They don't like their work, their place of employment. There are people there who have a tendency to suck the joy right out of their life. There are people who don't understand all that goes on. And because of that, there's a lot of people, a lot of people out there who are not happy. I I think I just have to start by asking this question this morning. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to twitch. You don't have to do anything. But I, I wonder if you are happy today. I mean, really, really happy. I wonder if you're happy with your kids, if you're happy at home, if you're happy in your marriage, if you're happy with your church. I wonder if you're happy with your job. I wonder if you're happy with what you know is coming for lunch. Because there's a great part of our population not happy. They are hurting, they are broken. They are trying to figure it all out. And you don't even have to be a Jesus follower. You don't even have to be a believer or a reader of the Bible to understand that we are wired to be happy. We're made to be happy. I don't know anyone who has ever said to me, Hey, Clark, I'm just too happy. I don't know why, but I'm just too happy. I don't want to be this happy. Have you ever heard anyone say that to you? I can't recall a single person. Some people may not care about being successful or rich or, or good-looking or married or single. They may not be concerned about having family or friends close by. They may not be concerned with material things or being able to travel. But those people who understand the way we are made and made up, those people who understand our minds, they say that everyone, everyone wants to be happy. There are people who are unhappy who think happiness is just around the corner. 
Or happiness is just a few dollars away. Or happiness is just one relationship away or one career move away. But there's a lot of people who aren't very happy. School started this week and now my happy friends probably aren't so happy. I know the colleges begin in just a week or two. And I know there will be a lot of college kids in our city and in cities across America who aren't very happy. Lady Gaga Madonna being interviewed, they were asked if they were happy, and Madonna said, and I quote, happy? I don't even know anyone who is happy. So i got to ask you, are, are, are you really happy? Do you feel like you are connecting that way? True happiness, the kind that lasts for a lifetime, is the kind of happiness that is generated to the Father through the Son. We're this close to finishing up our walk through the book of Psalms. Today, Psalms 128, just six verses. It's kind of connected to Psalms 127. They could probably be seen holding hands, walking down the pathway. They both have to do with family and our accountability to each other and to God. And here's what the writer says in 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. The word blessed there in the Hebrew text could probably be translated happy or fortunate. So happy, fortunate, blessed are those who fear the Lord. That word fear could be translated reverence. Those who have reverence, those who have high esteem, those who trust the Lord. So blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, and your sons will be like the olive shoots around your table. Back in Bible times in that ancient land, olive trees were a very, very valuable commodity of great importance. There's so much they did with olive oil, everything from healing to cooking that was there, and In just a few months, as we take a group to Israel, you you will see, they will see olive trees that have been around for over 2,000 years. And when we go to that Garden of Gethsemane, they may not be able to show me the actual trees that Jesus touched and walked around, but I will know that somewhere in that vicinity, Jesus spent time in prayer. Thus is the man blessed or happy who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem, and may you live to see your children's children. Peace, shalom, be upon Israel. And that's where we start today. The situation, the circumstances that are connected to our family has a lot to do with our happiness. And I have found out with two boys, when they are happy, I'm pretty good. When they're not so happy, then I'm not so good. Do you know what I mean? Those of you 
who have children away. Deion Sanders, remember that name? He was quite the personality, quite the athlete. He called himself what? Prime time. And he pulled a lot of attention to himself. And regardless of his athletic ability, man, the guy had some issues, did he not? He says he had everything. He had the world, the tiger by the tail, but he felt unhappy. He felt empty. He felt like there was a hole in him. Until, he says, he found Jesus and it changed his life. And if Jesus can change a man like Dion, I think he can change a person like, like you, like me. So if I could unpack a few things today that have to do with our happiness, here's probably where I would start. We need to get to a place, if we want to be happy, we need to get to a place where we stop making excuses and start making an effort. Most people who are unhappy can give you a list of excuses why they're not happy. They say things like, how can I be happy? I'm sick. I've been sick a lot. I seem to be sick all the time. Or they say things like, how can I be happy? If you were in as much debt as I'm in, you would not be happy either. How can I be happy if you were to work where I work, if you were to work under my boss with these people, you wouldn't be happy. How can I be happy? I'm so busy. I have so much going on. I would like to be in time out for a while. How can I be happy? If your spouse would do to you what my spouse did to me, how in the world do you think I will ever be happy again? On and on the list goes, and the first step to finding real happiness is to realize that whatever excuses we've been making are no longer valid. Whatever problem you have, there are people out there with the same problems or greater problems, and they seem to be happy in spite of that. I know sick people who are happy. I've gone to see some sick friends, and I felt like they ministered to me without me being able to minister. Do you know that kind of person? Maybe not feeling well, but you would never know it by their attitude or their, their personality, their persona. They, they're just always upbeat and always, always happy. I know people in debt who are happy. I don't know why, but I know people who who have landed there. I know people who have bad working conditions that are happy. I know busy people are happy. I don't know a whole lot of people who have struggles at home that are happy. And that's what the writer is pushing us towards in those two chapters. You can be happy too if you stop making excuses and start making an effort to be part of the solution. I told my friends yesterday that the easiest thing they were going to do yesterday was say two words. I do. The hardest thing they were going to do 
from yesterday forward is to make that I do, that promise, that contract, that agreement stick for a lifetime. Easier said than done, right? Verse 1, reverence, fear the word in this text, translated reverence in other translations, trust, obedience, all are required for blessings and happiness from God. He doesn't force himself on anyone. The choice is yours and the choice is mine, so we need to learn to stop making excuses. And we're great at excuses, aren't we? If your child comes home with a poor grade, whose fault is it? Teachers. Man, that's the dumbest teacher you'll ever have. Don't Just deal with it. If you burn the Pop-Tarts, whose fault is it? Toaster. We'd get a new toaster. It wouldn't burn Pop-Tarts. You know, we have an excuse for everything. And we're pretty good at using our excuses. But if you really want to understand God and his plan, how to be real happy, we need to have a better understanding of grace and forgiveness, acceptance, because once we understand that, there are things like hope and peace and joy and happiness that are connected. Anybody got one of those big old Bibles at home? You know the kind I'm talking about? Or maybe you have an old King James Version Bible that has pictures in it, In those big old Bibles that you could hurt someone with, or in those old King James Version, you could probably flip through and you can find a picture of Jesus knocking at the door. Does that picture come to your mind? Do you know what's missing in that picture? Doorknob, door handle. It's not there. You can go back and look when you get home today. It's not there. There is no way Jesus can get into that structure unless he is let in by the person inside. If you could see yourself today as that structure, there is no way that Jesus can have a relationship with you that you can allow God in unless you open the door and you make the choice to begin that relationship. Two weeks ago in Sunday school, we were talking about how much time the average American spends a week in spiritual things. One guess was two minutes. One guess was five minutes. The answer was nine minutes a week. Their relationship with God is based on nine minutes a week. I don't know if you're average or not. Maybe you're above average. Maybe you're below average. Nine minutes a week, would that help anyone's relationship? What if I just hung out with my Debbie for nine minutes a week? She might think that would be a good thing. Is that going to help our relationship nine minutes a week? Seriously? However, there are people who feel like if they give God nine minutes a week, that's going to be okay. A-O-K. The problem too often we spend our time and energy making excuses for our misery and what we don't have or haven't done. We have a tendency to wallow in our self-pity. In Matthew, excuse me, John chapter 5, there's a story of a man who spent 38 years lying beside the pool at Bethsaida. The thought was, when the waters stirred in the pool, the first one in the pool was healed. They thought that an angel of God came down and stirred the waters, and once that happened, 
First one in, healed. Jesus comes on the scene in John chapter 5, and he asks the man a yes or no question. Do you want to be healed? Yes or no? And the man says, I have been here 38 years. I have no one to help me when the water stirs. And I'm always beaten into the pool. When my boys were younger around the house, they would say something like, Wham, 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 someone called the wambulance. Jesus said, if you really want to be healed, forget the pool. Don't think about the pool. I am the one that can bring you health. Pick up your mat and walk. We have a lot of people in the church who have that pool kind of mentality. They want to be happy. They want to be joy-filled. But there's so many things, so many disruptions, so many circumstances that pushes them further and further and further away from happiness. So I've got to ask you the question today, okay? Are you happy? Are you happy at home? Are you happy at your job? Are you happy in school? Are you happy in your marriage? Are you happy in your church? Are you, are you a happy person? Being happy requires effort on our parts. And you begin the process by taking the first step. And that first step sometimes is embarrassing. Sometimes it's painful. But we need to get to the place where we stop making excuses and start walking by faith. So I wonder if there's anyone in your life right now you just need to seek forgiveness from or apologize to or maybe seek an apology because you're not going to be really happy until that thing is resolved and resolution sometimes is hard to come by. So we need to quit making excuses. The second thing that we need to do if we really want to be happy, we need to eliminate some things from our life and you're not going to like this. Whenever you're given the opportunity to choose, it means you either make a right choice or a wrong choice. Each one comes with consequences. Let's say that I wanted to see a beautiful sunset. Sometimes our strategy is just wrong. So in order for me to see a beautiful sunset, I have to look facing what? My microphone not working anymore. Facing the west, right? Yeah, okay. And let's say I go and I sit out there and I face the east. How many sunsets am I going to see? None. Might see some awesome sunrises, but no sunsets. My strategy is wrong. I need to face this way to see the sunset. So two things that we need to eliminate from our strategy. Number one is destructive behavior. Some people fill their lives with self-destructive activities and are guaranteed to bring misery. Its consequences are of their sin. So some people, when they are trying to seek happiness, trying to fill that hole, they abuse alcohol or drugs. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, 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 that's not me. Some people overspend. Do you know that the average American has $14,000 in credit card 
damages right now on their card? 14,000. I don't know if you're above average or below average, but we think that money is going to be the answer or things or stuff, so we overspend and we stretch ourselves. I don't know if you've ever played the lottery. Evidently, we have a big one coming up, don't we? Do you know what your chances are to win this lottery right now? If you buy a ticket, one in 292 million. Don't raise your hand. Don't even twitch. You ever play the lottery? One in 292 million? Seriously? I know, you can't win it if you ain't in it. I've heard it. And we think that's going to bring us happiness? I was down at Casino Pavilion yesterday, the Tropicana. Man, that place is amazing. I never made it to the casino. Never made it there. But that place is pretty amazing. It's really equipped well. When we got there, it took us to the fourth level to find a place to park. I don't know how many levels it's got. Anybody know? Okay. Anyhow, it took me... You know what I thought? This place has got something going on. And you know, my, my whole thinking was kind of uh, driven this way because of this message. I wonder how many of those people went away happy. I know I did. The people I hung out with, we did. We were celebrating a wedding. Two young lives coming together, starting their life together. I know we did, but I'm willing to bet the ranch if I had to bet money today. I would bet that most of those people left that place not very happy. I could just hear them on the way home. Why in the world did you do that? Don't talk to me, woman. I can just see it, you know. Unbelievable. You know, sometimes here in Evansville, you'll see a billboard. Billy Bob won X amount of dollars, and he's all happy. I wonder how many billboards it would take to throw the losers up there. Mary Alice lost her life savings. Ronnie lost his grocery money, rent money. Not enough billboards. They're not in the happiness business. What can happen? One in 292 million chance. It's almost football season. Are you ready for it? You know how many people those stadiums hold nowadays? I mean, hundreds of thousands. It's just huge. And they're always packed, aren't they? College football game and pro football game, unless it's Indiana and it's not very packed. But tonight, there will be enough teenagers in America to fill the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the average Super Bowl with young people that will prostitute themselves tonight to pay for their drug addiction tomorrow. Does that sound healthy to you, to our culture? One million teenage girls will be pregnant this year out of wedlock. 500,000 of those will give their babies up. Five hundred thousand will abort their babies. 
Of all the 14-year-old girls alive today, 40% will become pregnant by their 19th birthday. 60% of all church-involved teenagers are sexually active. Every 78 seconds, a teenager in America attempts suicide. Does that sound like a happy culture to you? Does it seem a little bit strained? Destructive behavior, one of the things that we need to eliminate. Another thing that we need to eliminate is futile behavior. By futile, I mean foolish, unproductive. I mean useless, worthless, unprofitable. There are certain things that we do that are not bad in and of themselves, but it's just foolish to think that these things are going to make us happy. A job is good, marriage is good, children are wonderful. These things can only add to our happiness, but they cannot create happiness in and of themselves. People say things like, if I just had a better job, I would be happy. If I just made a little more money, if I just lived on this side of town, if I just had that kind of house, if we just had children... And on and on the list goes. I cannot tell you how many of my friends I have sat down and prayed that this deal go through for them. That this house that they have been dreaming of becomes reality. They become homeowners for the very first time. When my friends make this purchase, many times I don't see them for a while. You know why? They're home on Sunday working on their house. I have friends that I have prayed for many years for children. And some of my friends, when that little one or those bundles of joy have come, I don't see them for a while. You know why? Man, they've been up all Saturday night. Babies don't always sleep all night. If they're sleeping, you're not. And if you're not, they are. That seems to be the way it works. So it troubles me sometimes to have people think these things are going to be the fix-all, when the only thing that fixes everything is a relationship with Jesus. Now, are these things good and helpful? Sure they are. If you look for lasting happiness in things, they, they can be very disappointing. So we need to get rid of the excuses and we need to eliminate things that are harmful, and one more thing that we need to do, and that's embrace our relationship with God. We need to hold on. The Bible says revere. It means to trust with reverence. It means to obey because of that trust. And I don't know where you are spiritually, but you know exactly where you are. A recent Gallup survey found out that fewer than 10% of America are deeply committed Christians. That means 9 out of 10 people who are in attendance in a church on Sunday are really deeply committed, connected folk. Deeply committed, 10% happy spiritually, which leads to physical happiness. 90% not so much not happy. The result of reverence, trust, and obedience is heaven's blessings. And we are told in this piece of scripture, those will be blessed. The wife will be content. 
there will be many children and the people that are connected this way, the Bible says you will see the prosperity. The Lord will bless you all the days of your life and you will live to see your children and your grandchildren. It's the promise of family. I'm sure you saw this. It's not new, but several years ago, a question came out. People were interviewed. They were asked what they would be willing to do for a million dollars. Remember seeing those kind of things? I was amazed to see that they would abandon their family. They would walk away from their church, from their morals. They would give up their citizenship. They would leave their spouse, their children. I guess that really didn't surprise me. What surprises me is that most everybody would do something. And I wonder today how many of us would, would give it up. I know what you're thinking. Hey, Clark, no one's ever offered me a million to walk away from my home or my church or my beliefs. And you know what? I would say you're right, but you know, we give it up for a little bit less than that, don't we? Anybody here have a rough thing going on at home? Maybe you're thinking about walking away, giving it up. Maybe it really doesn't concern you how it's going to affect your children or your life or your spouse's life. No one's offered you a million dollars, but you're ready to walk for for nothing. Maybe you've had some issues at your church or maybe you've had some issues at your workplace and they're not offering you a million bucks, but you're ready to do it for nothing. You see, we aren't a very happy people, are we? Maybe your kids have disappointed you and you're ready to cut them loose, not for a million bucks, but for nothing. I think there are many times when we cause God to weep. And I wonder how often by my decisions I have caused him to cry. And I wonder how many times you, your family, your decisions, your choices have caused God to cry because of your attitude, your behavior, your lifestyle, your choices. Do you want to be happy today? The only way it works is with Jesus. He connects you to the Father, and that makes all the difference in the world. Will you pray with me? Father God, this time of communion is our time, our time to fix it. I guess not us fixing it, but for you to fix it. And I pray that my friends here today begin to pour their hearts open to you to ask for grace and mercy and forgiveness and healing and kindness as they do life. Father, you wired us for happiness. We know that. Help us to do the right thing and help us to live a life that promotes happiness. And help us to help others find that place with you. We thank you for this cup and for this bread. We thank you for what it represents. And Jesus, we thank you for going to the cross and dying for people like us, for our families. 
We thank you for obeying your Father and we thank you for giving us hope and peace and happiness. It's in your Son's name that we pray, our Father. Amen.